following podcast may contain some adult language. You've been warned. Those of you who got an invite, welcome to NerdProm. <laughs> no matter where in the world you are, we're all NERDS International. With the hyphen. Genesis RPG Podcast. This is a show dedicated to the Genesis role-playing system from Fantasy Flight Games, a show in which we, your hosts, discuss all things Genesis from both the players and a GM's perspective. I am Tony Fanning, and with me, as always, are my cohorts and co-hosts, Chris Holmes and Stefan Dragonspawn. Just kidding. Dragonspawn. Ah, I got it almost all right, damn it. <laughs> How are we doing, fellas? Mm. I'm doing good, yeah, boy. <laughs> Monday, 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 Monday night, <laughs> Monday night raw. That's right. Tony thinks I cut all of that out, but I didn't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll disown you as a brother if you don't. <laughs> I reintroduced it. Yeah. <laughs> so how you doing, yeah, Stefan? I'm doing good. Doing good. It's a little cold up here in Canadistan, but uh, we're, we're keeping warm. So. Yeah, I'm pretty. No. Just not enough gaming. I mean, with Tony's Star Wars game on on hold, and I'm not rolling my Shine Dark game anymore. It's wrapped up. I don't have anything. It's dry. It's cold <laughs> in the winter months. Yes, oh, no. I don't have. And my uh, my Dragon Star campaign, I have to put on hold because some players had to drop out. So I have to find new players. That's a bummer. Yeah, but it's giving me some time to work on the Dragon Star stuff. I've done the vehicles, and now I'm doing. I'm going to introduce mechs into Dragon Star. What the hell? Why not? If you're going to have technology, having a big mech fighting a dragon. Why not? Cool. <laughs> Why the hell not? Yeah. So there you go. And you, Chris? Well, let me tell you something. Okay, hey, Drew, if you are listening to this, you need to stop listening until it's January 11th when we play again. D&D. Because... <laughs> All right, he's not, hopefully he's not listening because I want to surprise it. He, he didn't show up. But three wow. of the four players that did show up had to re-roll characters Saturday night. Oh, yes. yeah, I heard about that a bit. And it wasn't, it wasn't my fault. One of them <laughs> instigated a couple of them. It's one of those things like, here's the plan. And he's like, then the plan goes. And then he bolted, left the one guy, in the, left the druid in the room. She, <laughs> well, was a he, drank from a fountain, is a she, was a she. <laughs> She died okay. in a wine-filled room. Wine methods. Yes, that's a thing now. Um, <laughs> killed her. Another guy locked himself in a locked himself in a chest, and force explosion turned him to dust. Yay! <laughs> and then the person who bolted out of the room, his character, got eaten by locusts. <laughs> like you do. Oh, by the way, that was uh, that was a uh, tomb of horror, tomb of annihilation. Spoilers for anybody listening out there. Right. So. Yeah, God, good. good. What's that? God, I hate dungeon crawl. <laughs> no, that's a death trap dungeon crawl. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> now we're having fun with it, man. We, we were fun cracking to play the... through. If you go through with that attitude, that it's yeah. fun to. You That's know, what it started with. And I told them, yeah, you can use D&D Beyond on your fucking tablets, 
but bring your goddamn character sheets. Print them out because <laughs> yeah. it will rip them in half. And sure enough, <laughs> one to one guy, he's like, well, well, what happened? I reached down, grabbed his character sheet, and went, Whoosh, and everybody else went, what? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he's dead. Pile of dust. Yeah, but yeah, we're all we're having fun with it. It's it's great. But the one guy who didn't show up doesn't know that he's now coming back to the party. Three new, three new party members. With three so. new faces. Kind <laughs> of see how we can make that a little more. Um, what's what's the word I'm looking for? A little more authentic right. <laughs> reaction to it. So. How about you, Tony? Sorry, I oh, kind of rambled on there a little bit, but dude, whatever. <laughs> we haven't talked in a day and a half. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been doing fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, my KeyForge got canceled tonight, but the oh. missus decided she wanted to make me dinner because she had the day off, so she made these amazing zesty pork chops. Oh. Uh, they were just so damn good. Good. And, you know, mm. they fit right into my keto diet because of just pork chops and onions and flavor. Mm. Nice. <laughs> See, if you would have let me get you that air fryer for your wedding when we were at Khan and a Cub. You could have made some sweet ass crispy chicken wings. With what? Oh, chicken! You could put whatever the hell you want on there. Uh, put whatever flour, you want on them. Right? You use flour nope. to make. Crispy, no, you don't. Right? No, oh, you okay. don't. Anybody out there with an air fryer? Twelve minutes, three hundred and fifty degrees. Flip them. Twelve more minutes, three hundred and fifty degrees. Crank it all the way up for another six. Perfectly crispy. Then you put whatever. Mm. Then you could drip, dip them, put them anything on there. Yeah, you put them in there dry. I just shook some salt on them. That's it. Jesus, Chris. Okay, you need a cooking show at this. Point. <laughs> I might. <laughs> do we a need to create podcast. a? Do we need to? No, dude. We might be able to add like another segment sometime next year. <laughs> we'll see. In the cook's corner. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. RPG cooking. Smoking dragon meat with <laughs> Chris Holmes. <laughs> Hmm. Uh, no. Yeah, well, that'll get you know, that'll, guys, that'll get some comments on on a melee from the guys, right? Smoking mm-hmm. dragon meat from there you go. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Nice one, Tony. <laughs> That's right. That's Chris why I said is it. finally smoking the dragon meat. There we go. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I, wanted, I wanted Stefan to appreciate it more than you. Mm. So <laughs> today's episode, we have decided to do a semi deep delve into the expanded player's guide. Yes. Unfortunately, we're going to be doing this as uh, just Chris and I can dive into our books. Right. But Stefan will play the straight man since he hasn't gotten his yet. Right. Well, I'll try to play straight. As I mean, much as I- not all of us have. <laughs> the comedic straight man. Does that, does that help? <laughs> yeah. That means it's ironical. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll ask questions as if I don't know anything, which, you know, pretty much... <laughs> It, it is. Was that different? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I'm not pretending to be Jamie, you know. Yeah, there we go. Well, shall we, um, do you guys want to get into it then? Yep. Yes. So, coming right up, episode 46, Expanded Play. Everybody, we are we're back. And Tony mentioned it was episode forty-six expanded play. It's actually episode forty-seven expanded play. And no, we're not using we're not starting with N- index zero out there for all of you um, programmers. And I know Tony's not a programmer, so that probably wasn't it. 
corn fused. You <laughs> just corn fused them fake words. Well, this segment is called Boosting the Signal, where Stefan shares all the hot and juicy Genesis news. Fresh <laughs> off the wire and, and then reviews some, lets us know what's out on the foundry. So, Stefan, what you got for us, man? Yep. There you go. We've got three things that I'm just doing a little bit of expose on. The first one on the foundry is called Low Fantasy and Dark Fantasy Careers by Rand Radolf Saint Germain. It's pay what you want. You sure it's not Saint German? <laughs> no, <Sorry>. Saint Germain. <laughs> <laughs> You can remain for all you white people. (laughs) I'm kidding. You've been watching Watchmen too, huh? (laughs) Woohoo! Sorry, keep going. (laughs) So, as I mentioned before, I was so rudely interrupted. (laughs) It's pay what you want. And the blurb says this exciting document provides you with all the low and dark fantasy careers you could possibly need to play adventures in a grim and dark old worlds or when exploring even the darkest of dungeons so over 30 new careers such as the grave robber the scoundrel or the warlock and 13 new talents such as the tunnel rat hound and speak with animals for example so those are pretty cool looked at it uh, briefly and uh, well set up does the same layout as the genesis books you know, oh, did cool. a good job there. Awesome. And yep. And then you've got Brashfink's Wondrous One Sheets Zero One. So I'm assuming there'll be more in the future. Uh, by James Brandt. Uh, also, uh, pay what you want. Uh, simple custom rules. He says that fit on a two-sided uh, sheet of paper that he's created for a vi- variety of reasons for his own games and campaigns. Uh, it includes uh, custom careers that he includes on that. Minions Unhinged, which is a different way, he says, of thinking of or and using minions. I read through them real quick, and I'm not quite sure I understand the way you wrote it, though. And myself, it seems like we write it, it's, oh, yeah, you think of it as this way, but you use it as a regular minion. Well, what's the point then? Maybe I'm understanding it wrong, but what's the point of trying to set up to using minions differently if they're the same? <laughs> but anyway, and how to use minion different types of characters uh, as a minion group. So if you have two, let's say, bruiser-type guys that are minion, minions and one is more of a rogue, how to oh. use them together. Oh, that's cool. So, so well, maybe, you still maybe group the them other, together. Maybe the other minions, the minions unhinged is more of... Was it guidelines or creating more powerful mm-hmm. minions yet still no, minions just, and not quite rivals? Just or? the way, just the way. If I quote just what he says, it's like he's never really liked minion groups. Oh. I dislike the aesthetic of minions crammed together, hmm. uh, just like moving. I dislike the, the moving like a zombie horde. The weird way hits work, etc. So because of this, I frequently want to run adventures with only rivals or higher. Okay, well that's good. Cool. But the. But the problem is that there are lots of talents that work against minions specifically. Mm. So he's, he says, Minions Unhinged introduces the concept of stages, which I won't go into. You know, That's uh, all good. Just no, I was just, just wondering. You got, if you get it, if you, if you like it, it's a pay what you want. So you can mm-hmm. pay zero for, for starters. If you like it, go back, pay for give him a dollar. 
Cool. No. So that's uh, one thing that's available. And then Chris Markham gives us for Terranoth, Terranoth Taverns. A little supplement that provides four unique taverns for uh, the setting of Terranoth. Uh, each place has its own you know, culture and NPCs inhabiting it, a little bit of a, of a flair. One of them, for example, is a tavern full of gnomish inventions. <laughs> <laughs> so what kinds of gears, little toys, wind-up toys walking all over the place. Uh, a warring hole for orcs, a uh, refined dining experience, or a taste of the exotic jungles of Zangara. Oh, Zanaga, sorry. <laughs> so each each tavern has its own, like I said, NPCs, a tavern layout. If, if things go sideways and you need a tactical map. <laughs> nice. Unique food and drink. What? Combat uh, in a tavern? Never. Nah, never <laughs> happened. It's all social, you know. Mm-hmm. You never go beyond, you know, such a combat turn zero. <laughs> yeah. There you go. And a few adventure seeds that go with that. So, uh, Chris Markham is a veteran, uh, apparently. Uh, it says here, yeah, veteran uh, writer for uh, FFG uh, in Realms of Tiranoth. So, we might be seeing some more from him. Cool. Yeah, I actually picked that up. Pretty neat. Yeah. And you know what you Absolutely. can do? Because Christmas is coming, you mm. might be able to use that gnomish tavern as kind of maybe a Christmas-themed elf toy shop. There we go. Kickoff to a go-rescue-Santa-Claus adventure or go... Yep. Sure. Yeah. Well, I should run that for a one-shot. There you yeah. go. That's it. <laughs> so, so, and I just... Slay. S-L-A-E. That's it. <laughs> That's right. He's, we got old Saint Nick using his Santa Claus <laughs> with vicious two. <laughs> nice. Um, and I just Very saw nice. before the just before the show on Driver Through RPG something else that's available. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same guy who wrote Slaves of Fate called The Brand. Oh, Jason Duff, a little adventure for Genesis RPG. Just a generic adventure. You could set it, I think, in any uh, fantasy setting. Cool. One a dollar ninety nine. So there you go. It's great. It's a great time to be a gamer. I must tell you. Good. Uh, yep. Every exactly. Time, I remember having to hunt high and low for either adventures, uh, modules, yep. uh, where they would where to sell them, and even finding players. You have to use an old, you know, message board in the hobby store. Just put your ad with a push pin. Hope someone <laughs> answers <laughs> it. Nice. Yep. It's a little bit of paper that you rip off and hope you don't lose on the way home. <laughs> there you go. So there you go. Those are the four little things that I wanted to mention on the Foundry. Nice. Yeah, you got us a bonus round. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, creators, Foundry foragers, and people, please, we hope Stefan went out, boosted the signal on your product, or got something in your ears there that you can go out and find on the Foundry. Go out, pick it up. Give these guys a few of your bucks. It's Christmas. Have fun. Yep. Welcome to 50 Pieces of Awesome. This is where our buddy Chris goes out onto the interwebs, scours it until he finds something for you to pick up for free. That is Genesis related. Yes. What have you got? 
Well, I have something here that I have always thought would make for a great RPG setting. The first time I saw the movie. Um, didn't read the books, didn't read, didn't watch the TV series until, I don't know, maybe about five years ago. This is Avatar, The Last Airbender. It's Avatar The Second Age by Salura out on the Genesis forums there. I'll have the link to to that um, there. My word. This is like 250 pages of awesome. Though I must say... Um, they put together, they added all the rules into this book. So copied yeah. over like how to do it, which I have, I have some comments about that later, but it's okay. Um, because this definitely captures that feel of the last airbender. Cause it's a, it was a brilliant cartoon, great story, great feel. Yep. And I think they, I, I really think they captured it here. And one of the things that they, they thought outside of the box on this one, cause you know what? You don't have brawn, agility, cunning, intellect, willpower, or presence in this. They replaced those with body, agility. Well, okay, so you do have agility. You do have intellect, but guile, charisma, and chi um, being used to do your avatar stuff or your bending and whatnot. In, they introduced the concept of honor, which is always, always good. Um, and then animal companions were a really big thing in the show, and they you know, have some rules here for that. Um, expanding on, I think what they give, they gave us in the Genesis core rules and pulled on the force and destiny, um, from the star Wars line put in here too. They did do classes and specializations though. Not like you pick a class and you, or a career like in the core Genesis, um, more like the star Wars version. And then in the expanded player's guide, they, they go into how to create classes and specialization trees and whatnot. So that's in here, how you would do it. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure they, this, it's very well done there. Cool. I, um, I, I was a big fan of the, the series too. I got all the DVDs of the last airbender and sometimes I just yeah. pop the DVDs and just watch them one after the other. Yeah. It, it is, you know, rich kind mm-hmm. of, uh, of whole setting in each country. Or nation is slightly different, but still inspired by the Asian. There are plenty flavors. of yeah, there are plenty of archetypes that they added in here as well. They nailed it on the gear and setting too. The the gear and crafting, yeah. I mean, the feel for all the items and the crafting added those in there. Um, now the bending rules, kind of a mix between force powers, where you pay for you know, your modifications of it, your control and those kinds of things with XP. And you have, and you have like the actions and maneuvers from the magic system that the optional one they have in the core rulebook here. You can up, like I said, you can upgrade to forms with XP as well. So that's pretty awesome. There's about 17 pages on the whole, the universe and organizations, um, 18 pages of adversaries and what's really nice is they put in a 20-page, two-episode mini-campaign at the very end of this. So um, it was pretty damn awesome. And like I said, the really the only criticism would be putting all the rules in the book. I know it's nice to have everything all in one place, but highlighting the differences would be, would be good. Makes it a little smaller and stuff for people to digest, but... I, kudos! This is a great job. I would play in this. I'd love to. Oh, when yeah. are you gonna run it? I, when are you gonna run it, Tony? 
some some <laughs> year. Uh, no, I thought okay, yeah. so. Uh, what do you guys Avatar say? has always been a love of mine as well. My youngest son, you guys have met him and played with him, Sean. Yeah, Sean. Yeah. Um, yeah. We had him on the he, show. Uh, he actually was so very into that cartoon when it mm-hmm. came out on Nickelodeon, and. Mm-hmm. Him and I would religiously, father, son, sit down every day when that came on, and we would watch it together awesome. for years uh, mm-hmm. as he was growing up. So it's very uh, close to our hearts. And uh, when I told him we were going to be looking at it and told him that there's a Genesis, he said, okay, you have to run it as one of your one-shots for your show, and I have to be your player. <laughs> there so There we go. That's it, then. So, <laughs> we already so have one. That's a new year. <laughs> yeah. So starting next year, we're going to start doing those one-shots, and I may do that for him. He may have to wait a year, too. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is good stuff. Very yeah. Good. No. yeah, and I agree with you, Chris, about the rules. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, while it is cool to have them all in one place, all the rules about dice rolling and all that stuff, particularly chapter one in this book, is not the the system stuff. That should remain in the core rule book. And, right. uh, be, because, again, while Fantasy Flight is gracious in letting us create things for this, put it out there, and I know you're not trying to get any money for it, <laughs> but those core mechanics, you want to you want to encourage players and other people alike uh, to, to buy the book, to buy the PDF. Uh, and they can have two different sources. Um, you can have the differences from the core rule book in your product that you made. And this is just my opinion. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, yeah, the, adding the rules that are the same uh, just seems like wasted space. Right. It doesn't need to be 250 pages. Right. So that's it. That's it. No, I would definitely wouldn't mind playing it mm-hmm. in something like that as well. I've, like I said, big fan of the show. I had tried to get into the Legend of Korra, which is the second part, but mm-hmm. just with timing, I didn't get it. Uh, yeah, get I into it, but I, would, yeah. but I would try to find maybe the DVD and because I did like it goes a little bit more like steampunk, you know, bending technology almost. Mm-hmm. With people who metal bend, and even the firebenders now can harness electricity, and they basically charge batteries. That's part of their job. Nice. <laughs> and that uh, allow the city to, uh, instead of having hydroelectric dams or stuff like that, while well, they charge these turbines with their bending. <laughs> nice, nice. And the competitions of bending uh, sports teams against teams, which is pretty cool too. <clears throat> yeah, and I gotta say, uh, I gi- I did give this a once over because I, you know, Chris, you had mentioned that you were gonna do it, so I started looking into it. And why? Well, I, I mean, the air, the the bending rules are amazing. Yeah, I, I those are cool. my absolute favorite thing about this. Second favorite would be the the change in characteristics. Yeah, cool. And it is something I think I will mimic. For my Kung Fu Panda. The characteristics change and potentially the bending too? Or uh, the, characteristics the characteristics change. Yeah, that's Kung actually pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well done. Well yeah, done. Well done. 
Congratulations there, then, uh, Silur. So we all give you 50 pieces of awesome for all that uh, awesome bending. (laughs) Sorry about the gum on my 50 pieces, man. Oh, it was a little gummy, but, you know. Yeah, same pocket. Yeah. Well, put some ice on it, and you can just chip it away. Alright, well, welcome to the Books of Genesis, where we're going to break down the Extended Player's Guide bit by bit. <laughs> you missed it there, Stephanie. You came a little late. Oh, All right. I know, so, I'm doing it as a round. <laughs> nice. Your six seconds, go. Um, Alright, so, open your book, people. And I think, you know what, the first thing we're going to do... What are your initial impressions of it there, uh, Tony? Love the cover. Oh, yeah. I know. You know how the original uh, core rulebook cover, how it looks unfinished. Yes. How it it goes from finished to unfinished, but it also has like that look of of a a futuristic and old Mm -hmm. old at the same time. This looks a little more refined a little more finished and yep. i like how it blends the 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 three types of setting yeah on that they have in here uh on the cover uh it's very theme you know you've got age mm-hmm. of myth you've got the 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 horror and then you've got the post-apocalypse right there on the cover oh and yeah. that tells you here you've got three new setting types in here Right away. Oh, I know, so, I know. That's great. And that's is, great. And is that the same painting I think on the cover that's on the GM screen? I thought it was fairly similar. Um, parts of it, yes. Parts of it's right. kind of um, outside of the GM screen. Yes, the outside of the GM screen has uh, a lot more to it mm-hmm. than just that. I think it's um, a combination of a couple of things. Right. Okay. So, but it yeah, looks amazing. Yeah, I think it. I think it does too. I mean, it's definitely in the in the same theme as the, um, like you said, as the uh, as the core book. How you've got kind of that slightly unfinished um, look to these pictures in here. And for those of you that didn't get what that art was all about, well, it, these are toolkits. These are toolkits for us. Yeah. Not finished. Not completely polished. Um, and that's what they're going for, and they did it. They did a bang up job again here, man. And so as opposed, yeah. I guess as opposed to a Terranoth or a Shadow of the Beanstalk, those are finished settings. So yes. you get complete art, mm-hmm. whereas Genesis is, you know, like you said, a toolbox. So that when you do an illustration of, like, I know there's one illustration in the core book about some some of these like commando types, space commando types. Well, the whole drawings aren't completely finished, but you know what, right? What and they're going for here. I'll tell you, one of the neatest pictures, I just flipped to it, page 10, this lady, or, well, could be an elf, could be a lady, whatever, right? Um, facing off against a silhouette 2, dire wolf, maybe? That could be, that could totally be a shock. <laughs> a little Inuit gnome <laughs> that's transformed into a big wolf. She's in Very nice. She's in yes. trouble. <laughs> she's in trouble, that's for sure. So yeah. So, uh, as far as like a favorite art piece, I gotta say the uh, the piece on one hundred, which is a couple of young people 
running from a spellcaster who is creating an illusion of a jade dragon. Oh. And that is on uh, the description for the mask spell. And I, I just love it's simple art, simple lines, one little splash mm-hmm. of color, but it brings out so much yes, the does. action in it. I love it. That is cool, dude. That it is pretty to be cool. One of my favorite pieces. And yeah. then I'd say my second favorite piece would be just nearby in the magical talents section mm-hmm. where you have this orc druid and his animal companions. Um a bear with mm. a, like a there's a, a falcon sitting on his staff and yeah, just, or crow yeah and this orc is he's it's by the ensorcelled oh, nice. talent yep and i think that's the ensorcelled supreme Pretty which means um you know kind of what that is is your magic becomes a part of you and it create makes you more and more majestic as you get higher and higher ranks of ensorcelled and uh so <laughs> the big big freaking horns that he has are oh, probably yeah. His uh, the manifestation of his ensorcelled talent. Right. Oh, exactly. Like that. That's cool, dude. That is pretty cool. But overall, <laughs> it's it's the it's the trade dress of the Corvo book, and it's 112 pages. What do you think of that size? Um, always I want more, but <laughs> it's not bad for a uh, there for the number of pages that this is, it might not seem like a lot. Holy crap, is there a lot of stuff in here. It's back to the kills. It is. I mean, the vehicles. You have a crap ton of vehicles that they've added. Um, Just the sheer content. You can, this is definitely going to be the go-to book for GMs when you're creating stuff. Because we'll get into, we'll get into the, yeah, we'll get into the details on it. So, well, let's see here. As I said, initially we have three new settings yep that's the very first thing the book opens up with is three new sample settings which we're going to get into in depth in their own shows later mm-hmm. like we've done with the ones in the core rule book what are your impressions what, what one did you like the most the, the best tony post-apocalypse yeah me too me too it's just well thought out the the archetypes fit and i really love yeah. their little um comment in that section what page? about gritty versus action-packed post-apocalyptic games. So, um, where is it? It's Post-apocalyptic starts on 28. Right, Poke-apocalypse, I should say. Poke-apocalypse? Poke-apocalypse. It's, called, it's the uh, page 38, the Have a Nice Apocalypse sidebar. I <laughs> <laughs> Have a Nice Apocalypse. Oh, I remember reading that. Yeah, it's uh, it's it just talks about because um, I've heard other people say you can't run zombie apocalypse games and have fun, and what? And okay. I and I've heard other people say that there's a challenge to running post apocalyptic games because it's it's gritty and you're supposed to be starving and and bullets are supposed to be scarce and that's supposed to be something you got to keep track of. That's something they talk about here. That mm. for most players and GMs isn't fun. That's no. why it's so bookkeeping, hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The bookkeeping of playing in one of those settings. Now, it's not impossible, but it takes the right mix of players and the right GM mm-hmm. to play in that real gritty post-apocalyptic setting. And you got to have buy-in. People, you have to have buy-in by your players, too. Yeah. For it. Most people are want to play in a fun apocalypse where they get to, with <laughs> machine guns, mow down hordes of zombies or run them over with a car, or get into yeah. gladiator arena 
uh, <laughs> battles in the zombie land, automobiles and yeah, shit the, like that. Right. The zombie land kind of uh, <laughs> yep zombie movie or Mad Max kind of thing. Even though in Mad Max you still have that, you still have that. Um, there are things that are rare. You know, water is oh, yeah. the water the, fuel is the uh, yeah fuel is the most important and most valuable mm-hmm. thing, right? In water too, so. Yeah, those things can come into play in an apocalyptic setting, Mm -hmm. but to play in a fun apocalyptic setting, you don't want those to be your focus. Correct. Mm -hmm. They can be, oh, a despair. Your vehicle ran out of fuel. Now you're Mm -hmm. hundreds of miles from any fuel source. That's a great way to incorporate those kinds of things. But Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be in a fun apocalyptic setting. It shouldn't be the focus of the game. And that's, I really like that they went into that and did this real long sidebar and I'm not going to read it for cool. Yeah, we'll get it. We'll get into it. Again, another show. You got my a least favorite. No, well, no, that that was my favorite. My least favorite was Age of Myth. I think they missed a mark on it, to be honest with you. And where where do you think they failed the most? They failed the most with the adversary with the not adversaries with the with the character options, I believe. The archetypes? The archetypes. When I'm reading the demigod here, I don't feel like a demigod. I don't feel like I want to play this guy because I'm don't. i not going to feel like a demigod when I play no, it. You don't feel like no. like the old Hercules TV series kind of nope. thing? Nope. I would Cause, not. Cause, playing this guy, I would not. Because no. that's what I think it would be, like Age of Myth, where yeah, you're playing the, the, the offspring mm-hmm. of gods, especially yeah. Greek gods, which are heavy into that. Now, where uh, I did think... No, no, almost think, superhero... Well, where I do think they really hit the mark is the gear, oh, because yeah. because the gear here is just will make the demigod be a demigod, mm. right? But mm. just the initial when I was re- I, my first read through, I'm like, eh, kind of no, not so much. Don't necessarily want to. However, and I think yeah, I personally think the the place where I think that a mythic campaign would be better with these character starting characters is that at character creation um i would recommend gms if you're going to run mythic out of the book here give your players 50 to 100 starting xp after character creation um so that they they can advance their characteristics with it but they they just don't have enough xp to seem like mythic characters to start you know what, Tony? I would go. I would go. Um, I would give. I would give them fifty XP added on to the starting experience points here that they can okay. put towards their characteristics if they'd like to. And it doesn't. It doesn't. I think that could make it feel a little more superpowerish. Not superpower. I don't want to really use superpowerish, but demi. No, but you're. Yeah, but you're. You're already. Skirting the superpower, kind of, because you do have some. No, these guys. People. No, but no, that, that, maybe not as is. But if you give it, like you said, the extra fifty XP. Yep. The boots, maybe they're brawn up to five, and that allows them to do feats of strength like Hercules would do, or you know whatever. Yep. Absolutely. And yeah. I don't see a reason to. I mean, personally, they're gods. They're demigods uh, yeah. in a mythic setting. I don't see a reason to cap five. Yeah, me neither. No, I could. You could get rid of that cap. But yeah, maybe again, cap five at character yeah. creation. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I'm. I'm not saying. I'm saying long term. If you really wanted yeah. to run a mythic campaign and let people play demigods, mm. I oh, honestly yeah. think that it, you're gonna. This isn't enough. 
right. um, to run it. Uh, to start with, it's, no. it's a bit of a primer. It gives you mm -hmm. a, a, a stepping stone. And I think the reason why they did it, and this is my opinion here, I think the reason why they did it is so that you could pull that demigod out of here this piece here yeah. and mm -hmm. put it into another setting. True, right. And it would be balanced. Right, like... Yeah, like, you're right. Like put in uh, the son of of, uh, mm -hmm. of uh, Neptune, and he's in the shadow of the beanstalk for some reason. <laughs> right. right, right. But still, if you're having it, if you want to play a demigod, you want to play a demigod, <laughs> a, a full demigod. So you want you want the whole full powers and stuff. Right. You might be, have some drawbacks. He might not be as uh, adept with technology, perhaps. You know, yeah. around him, sometimes technology just goes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I'm reminded that's, a bit of the Percy Jackson series where yeah. kids are, are all uh, offspring. And that's the thing, is that each one of these archetypes in the uh, mythic section, they have a very powerful ability, oh, yeah. but then they have a drawback also. Mm. Yeah. So it's built right into their archetype. The demigod, mm -hmm. uh, they have a tragic fate drawback. Right. So there, there's some, there's some cool, cool stuff there. Yep. So. So what do, you, what do you think of the monster setting? To be honest, I went through it. Yeah, what do you think, Tony? It's okay. Yeah, I would. I. It's not my. It's not my thing. Mm -hmm. I don't get into the like the, like the monster hunters type. Mm -hmm. Um, like rippers for Savage Worlds. If you're into that, that's mm -hmm. just not really one that I mm -hmm. find enjoyable. I would love to try it sometime, but you know what? I would rather run. Um, I would either. I'd rather run either um, something strange or Inquisition. If I wanted to play Monster Hunters in a monster mm. setting, I would do. I would do one of their one of those. Uh, something strange if it's um, right. mo more modern Inquisition. If I wanted to do more of a you know Salem witch trials kind of yeah medieval frame, medieval kind of yeah. I thought. For but, some reason, I thought Monster World was more uh, horror Cthulhu. No, they they mentioned that okay. trope in here. Obviously, they yeah. do, but it's, but more, it's more of, of a, the uh, more of a Victorian Victorian, right. you know, Frankenstein. Okay, Mary Shelley, Va Van Helsing, you know, Van Helsing. Yep, yep. It's that. Yep. It's that. That era. It's mm -hmm. uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's kind of got that feel yeah. to it. So but, you can get for the, setting, the, yeah. the ready fight and put that with the monster world for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and you got martial arts vampires. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. So then they, they they did list all of the skills and talents from all the different, um, what do you call it, all the books or something like that, which would be what, what one of these three the settings. Yeah. All the core rulebook skills, tiers, or and talents, mm -hmm. all the ones that are in the core rulebook, uh, how they can be used in these settings. Right. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. So, so and, that's and, that. and, good page. Yeah. That's but, all just all of one graph on page mm -hmm. 39. So that, well done. Yeah. Okay. But speaking of, Thanks. so the next section here, speaking of which, kind of round off this first part of the book, is creating a new setting and Holy buckets, dude. We need dude. to totally go through this. We're going to go through this again. We have to. Yeah, we're going to have to do a show dedicated to this once Stefan gets his book. This yeah. is an in-depth, uh, what? Um, oh, my gosh. See. It's like 20 pages. 
Yeah, it's a starts 16, on page forty. Sixteen yeah. pages goes forty to fifty-six. In-depth dive into creating your setting, including some random tables. Not if you some. want to roll, you could totally randomly create a your concept for a world. We should totally do that when we do this show to review this section. We should just yeah. uh, each of us just take turns rolling up the random part of it and just see what comes up. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, on the random table, you've got things like good versus—I mean, good versus evil, mad science, mental powers, uh, mutants. It's yep. all kinds of stuff is on there. Yeah, you can and, roll a couple of tropes, right? Yeah, mutants. Where's your? Where are your insects, there, Stefan? They don't have insects. What the fuck? Come on. <laughs> that would be the that would be the expanded player's guide too. Interplanetary travel. But I'll tell you what. If this for is when sweet, we're creating, dude. when we're creating. Um, our worlds for uh, um, oh, our you, uh, oh, tales yeah. of the apocalypse, or sorry, tales of the uh, epsilon eclipse. There's a world, world structure and mm-hmm. climate yeah. chart, so you can roll randomly. You could build uh, your world. You could build the, you, a quick world. Yep. Yeah, you got everything from like yeah. So they have like a technology level on on one so you roll your technology level then you go to your world structure then a climate like like you said like tony said the population environments environments. and other inhabitants and oddities it's it's governments they do they definitely do expand a lot more than the core book which just has that one sheet Mm -hmm. for the the sort of world building mm-hmm. notebook but yeah. not notebook but no page yeah they have about an eight page it's an eight page document on their website that for the oh, expanded yeah. settings book pdf you know where you can right. just where it has all of this in here it's like what you rolled and stuff on there so that's cool yeah it's a, instead of the great. the old two-page setting creation sheet they've created mm-hmm. a much more elaborate one to go with this method yeah. Right, uh, and they—I don't know if they forgot to put it in the book or they just ran out of space, but they put it out as a free PDF on their website. For right. Yeah. Now there is a neat little nifty little table on fifty-four called single personality traits. Like they were just—they put this in here for like if you have like an NPC that's leading a faction or something like that, um, that you can just randomly roll an NPC having either a clever personality trait or suspicious. So quick little. Quick little tables there are always kind of good if you're stuck on yep. things. So, yep, again, we'll go into details on that. So, yeah, that's going to be a show in and of itself. So, is yeah. this next section of the book oh, expanded yeah, rule creation? So, we have what are two we big rule creation elements here. Absolutely, dude. The first one is vehicles. Yeah. They went to town, and uh, I, I gotta say. Uh, based on what I heard from him, our good friend Keith Kappel did a good chunk of this. Oh, sweet. Um, Congrats, did, Keith. Uh, this is great. The uh, vehicles section in this book and how to create them mm-hmm. uh, for your settings, and then a whole bunch, a ton of example vehicles. Oh, heck yeah. That's good. Uh, including <laughs> mechs. Yep. For your, uh, for your uh, yeah. Dragon Star. Uh, you adding them. You got a couple of example mecha in here, Stefan. So nah, sweet. Good. I have a, uh, I, I kind of have a favorite little vehicle, Tony. Yeah. It would be the um, wasteland buggy. Everybody, <laughs> on page sixty-four, um, Pokepo- in most po- post-apocalyptic settings, gangs of marauders have salvaged vehicles in a rickety, 
engines of destruction. This thing is like a silhouette. Two, max speed four, handling plus one, defense one, no armor, obviously. Um, (laughs) The health, the the whole trauma threshold is nine, strain nine. But what's really interesting to me are these little extras at the back called... So, you know, of course you have your scrap shooter cannon where you just throw a bunch of shit in there and you shoot it out at somebody. A grill-mounted light machine gun. Who wouldn't want one of those on there? I know I want one on Rogue One, especially that lady that tried to cut me off the other day. All right. And then um, then we have... It's vulnerable. This wasteland buggy is vulnerable because anybody targeting the vehicle gets to add two two, um, advantage to their results. Uh-huh. And then um, it's it's called spiky bits <laughs> on it, where if it's involved in a collision, all of the vehicles and characters involved add plus thirty to the results of their critical hit and injury. <laughs> I oh. just like it. <laughs> My personal favorite, yeah, man. would be the armored war zeppelin. Those <gasps> are going to be. Part of the Calder Army in uh, Primordial Maki. All right, if you weren't going to mention them, I was going to mention them. Don't even. <laughs> in some settings, Zeppelins and dirigibles yeah. have over, have uh, become the preeminent air vehicles. Oh. This is our take on the fanciful War Zeppelin. You know, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Oh hell yeah! Uh, which sports turret-mounted cannons and armored plates while being lighter than air. Yeah, that's great. Uh, the vehicle is amazing, and all the cool stuff that goes with it. That's definitely going into a, a primordial machina. Yeah, you know as it is. You know what? Another setting that had uh, zeppelins like that, or uh, airships like that, for, for war. The last Airbender. Yes, they did. <laughs> yes, That's right. they did. Of course, instead of having cannons, it was actual firebenders. <laughs> right. <laughs> now I wanted to bring up something because okay. I thought it was really cool, yeah. and it plays into something that I did for uh, Con on the Cop this year. And that is on page 59. They've got this little sidebar uh, that we'll bring up again later in the future. Mm -hmm. But it's unorthodox control skills. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So it it talks about uh, the things that you can do with your um, motorized speedboat that uses driving and your uh, sailboat uses operating. But there's nothing that says a rowboat couldn't use athletics or Parasailing could use coordination. Um, so it talks about using athletics and coordination as skills. And if you know, as you guys know, you guys were both in it. My yeah. con on the cop mm. adventure that I ran for Star Wars this year, Age of Rebellion, I added jet skis oh, yeah, that did. used athletics and hoverboards that used coordination. Yep. I think I had and, a, I think my character had a hoverboard, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then we had, oh, yeah. that's right. No, we had hoverboards getting out of the city. Then we hopped onto jet skis. Then you hopped onto jet skis. Yeah. 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 Point break, Mon Calamari. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyhow, it was, a, it was a, just something that caught my eye is like, hey, somebody else saw, uh, thinks like I do. I actually, thought of, I actually thought of the jet skis. From your adventure, when I read that sidebar the other day, well done. That's cool. But yeah, the uh, the uh, sample vehicles here. There is a large range of sample vehicles, mm-hmm. and some of them are real easy to reskin. Uh, yeah, love it. 
Love it, love it, love it, love it. Any, I'm gonna use are there any, sorry, any rules in there about chases? I thought uh, I just saw a sidebar on that. Hang on a minute. Yeah, because I, I know... Yeah, I know it was something. Yeah, I know it was something in your Star Wars game that no. you tried to kind of introduce a, a chase, which I used. A, I used no. roles that I was unfamiliar with, and it didn't oh, go okay. very well. Mm. And I didn't set out um, the expectation right from the get-go. Yeah, that, uh, sort of that fell flat. Kind of thing. It wasn't. Um, it was. It was mainly. I didn't have that preemptive. Hey, by the way. You guys are rebellion people. These people are allies. The police right. of an ally state. You cannot attack them. Just, yeah, just that would have. If I had just said that right from the get go, we wouldn't have had the issue we had. Awesome. Um, <laughs> we would have had people trying to get away. And I used really bad rules that did. I did did not work. So I went back to my old rules that I used in uh, uh, the uh, for the brewery for the Shadow of the Beanstalk. Yeah. adventure mm-hmm. I ran. I think it was episode four or five yep. of Shadow of the Beanstalk, uh, my um, adventure that I ran for them, and I did a chase in there, and I okay. had some rules for that, and I've written those out, uh, and I think those work really well. I'm going to refine them over time, and uh, you know, just kind of eventually put them out there for everybody. Yeah, right. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Stefan, answer your question. Only creating vehicles in this. Nothing about okay. no, no chase rules. Okay. So. And they have like the templates where you know you can select a you know a silhouette one vehicle is typically hull trauma between one and four system strain one and five. So it gives you gives you some guidelines and then um, what it would cost to increase the max speed and handling. Kind of like those tables that they had for adding attachments and building weapons and. Um, uh, what do you call it? adding special properties to them? So right, yeah. So that's good. Yeah, that's okay. pretty. That's pretty awesome. So I guess went? expanded players two would have the chase. <laughs> we'll see. Along, along okay. with my bug, right? Along with my bug races. Maybe it would have expanded GMs next. Yeah, there maybe. There you go. <laughs> Though I don't know. All of you GMs will be like ch- should be chomping at the bit at this adversary creation that they did because. Uh, they have codified as much as they possibly can <laughs> to get adversaries down almost to almost to a science, if you will, here. And well, I, yeah, well almost chapter. Yeah. This is my as a GM. This is my favorite chapter of this book. Yeah. Um, this is this, great. It codifies not only how to create an adversary, puts it into a mathematical equation then it teaches you at the very end how to rate them and what level of party and Mm -hmm. gives a rating to a ton of the um, adversaries that are out there and it does a whole section on adversary power level yep for can counterbalance yeah right yeah, so power level, what's involved in power levels, you have a combat power level, a social power level, and a general power level. Now, the general power level at first, when I first took a glance at this before I read it, thought, oh, that's kind of an average between your your combat and your social. No, it's totally not. That is the support portion, utility portion, that this type of adversary would add. Like, how well they'd be able to heal or buff other party members... 
and do things maybe outside of combat that is not like a social combat or, or physical combat, like combat zero as opposed to combat one or whatever. So, so again, so those are this cool. is another future show topic, the power Absolutely. levels of this, this whole section from page 84 with the example uh, adversaries. They've got a ton of generic example adversaries all the way to page 93. Nine pages of adversary power level goodness. And oh, then on yeah. top of that, they have also gone back, and I believe there was an article where they, they did do an article the other day where they codified all the existing ones. Yep. Um, so I saw that. that. Are, yep. And they did that up on their website. I think all the existing ones from Terranoth and Shadow of the Beanstalk and the Genesis Core rulebook. Yep. Um, and gave them Sam did that. power levels as yes, well. Yes, Sam Stewart did that. It's called A New Challenge, the Errata Overview for Genesis. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, so have. download that Errata and it'll have those mm-hmm. power levels right in it. Yep, for all of them. So, yeah, this is pretty pretty cool. You know what I really like? You know what I like? I know we're going to be going into details on this some other time. But one thing that I... The, my favorite part of this are these skill packages, man. Mm-hmm. They have a list of what they call skill packages here where you'd pick one of these for like a minion group, maybe one or two for your rivals and your nemeses. And if you really had a really experienced nemesis or a really unique nemesis that you want to keep around, you'd probably give them three of them. So you would do something like, I don't know, what do we have here? Okay, a sailor, for instance. Um, athletics 2, Operating 3, Perception 2, Ranged 1, Vigilance 1. And that skill package would add a combat plus 0 to the power level, plus z- 0 to social, but plus, three, plus 1 to like the general power level of that adversary that you're creating. So, And they have a whole bunch of them listed here. So... And they've even done that for their adversary talents, too. They assign power levels to them. So as you're building up your enemies, it's pretty cool. Oh, pretty sweet. Yeah. Very, very useful mm-hmm. tool. So if you haven't decided to get this book as a GM, this is the reason to right here. Yep. Alone. Totally. Um, your encounters will be more balanced. Because if, balance, if you want balanced encounters... <laughs> While encounter balance is a myth yeah. for a lot of people, mm-hmm. it's also a feel. Once you've been GMing for a while, yeah. you get a feel for it, and you don't need to have a science. But mm-hmm. for new GMs, having that tool to be able to dial in their encounters is... Yeah. It's, we've gotten several questions from our listeners about it alone. Um, and I think this will be the reason, as a new GM, you should buy this book. Yeah, I agree. I, I support that 110%, man. Absolutely. Yeah. So, then we get on to Chris's favorite section of the book. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed what they added here with the expanded the expanded magic rules, man. I'm telling you. I'm loving playing a shock. Doing a transformation. So, yeah, so the so they have a so part three is the expanded alternate rules. So they've expanded magic the magic rules, um, which we did a show on it a couple weeks ago, right? The magic talents, um, which by the way I must tell you, component casting is a favorite 
because I'll tell you, the other night when we were playing, after I picked it, after our first session, our second session, adding that talent, it's not it's not all about the boost die there, Stefan. It really <laughs> no. no, but but it kind of is all the time. But it no, is. what that what that talent <laughs> what that talent kind of made me do as a player or helped me do or encouraged me to do without it even saying anything to me is just coming up with these things I want to use it but oh what can I do oh yeah I still have the feather in my ass because I didn't quite transform last time and I pull it out and <laughs> I'm going to use it right because I tried to turn it into a bird and I tried to do it again and I don't know just it just it just really evokes something in me just taking the freaking tier one talent and it's only 5 XP yeah. That's and so we we went in depth on that before and yep. you know then the the next alternative rule that they mm-hmm. give us uh, is one that we've had players ask for and we've mm-hmm. had other GMs talk about doing. Well, now they've given us the idea on how to do it. And that is how to create specialization trees for yes. your setting yeah. using, uh, just like we had in Star Wars, the specialization trees, which a lot of people were lamenting that we didn't have in Genesis. Mm-hmm. Well, now you have the ability to the rules for how to do those and that's going to be another whole show for us just yeah. talking about how to do those right. um and they did a really good job with this oh, yeah. i i i mean i i'm like okay well i've heard some people describe how to do a character how to do a, a specialization tree but um yeah a couple things in here really were um you know how you arrange talents how you, there's something in here about saying even though a talent might be a level three talent, and the example they give is the animal companion talent is 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 tier three, right? But if you create a specialization tree for say a druid, you might want to put that at tier two because it would it's it's maybe That's a little an easier. That's an iconic part of being a druid. Exactly, yep. exactly. Yep. So just yep. little tidbits like that, kind of sprinkled throughout this section, will help yeah. and is uh, pretty cool. Because those specialization trees, that reminds me, even before Genesis came out, someone had created, I think they call it the Edge of the Empire setting, a fantasy, Edge of the Kingdom, which is a fantasy setting, Mm -hmm. and they created careers just like for for the Star Wars, so knights and rogues and stuff. Yeah, and they had the tree, so it it split Mm -hmm. up, and of course, it's uh, still available if you can find it. And of oh. course, it's a bit tongue-in-cheek with the bad guys being fantasy versions of Darth Vader and stormtroopers. Yeah. Hey, you know <laughs> Storm what? Storm knights. Storm knights. And the Dark Lord. Dark. Yeah. <laughs> dark Lord. Dark knight. Yeah. Definitely, a, definitely a death knight kind of uh, character, but still pretty cool. You know. Yep. Yeah, that's a good resource uh, for how to build uh, fantasy trees. Yeah. I, I completely. I sometimes I forget about it. I was running that for my mm. grognards. Uh, prior to Genesis coming out. Oh, cool. And um, when when Genesis came out and we heard about Terranoff, we were like, oh, throw that on the yeah. back burner. Let's do that, <laughs> right. Oh, you know what? Uh, yeah. so, Thanks but, for bringing that up, Stefan. Oh, no problem. The, page, the picture on page 103, it's a picture of a priest clutching his um, rosary on one oh, hand yeah. and a and a and a stake there you go you can see it Stefan stake in the oh, other yeah. hand and then way <laughs> yes. back in the background is a hooded or a cloaked 
hooded character with a little bit of red in the cloak towards the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> what specialization do you think he might or might not have taken? <laughs> I'm thinking, right? It's kind of neat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Monster Hunter. Monster yep. Hunter, you know it. And skeletons in the hallway there. Oh, yeah. Maybe he's an exorcist. You never know. There it is. Sweet. On page 107, yep. we get an uh, awesome little... Uh, 107, 108, just a little bit, a little more fine-tuning to social encounters. Yeah. Which I did not expect in this book. I did not know that was coming, and I like it. Mm-hmm. I love social encounters. This um, this gives you a little bit more tools as a GM. Something I was doing anyway is a chart over on um, uh, page 108, this little chart at the bottom. Yep. And I want to point that out. This is new rule, group leaders. So when you have a large group, and you want to change the opinion of their leader to in like recruit that group, mm-hmm. um, increasing the leader's strain threshold by the size of his followers. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That makes him so that he's yeah. less of a pushover. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Takes, takes more of him because he's backed <laughs> up by all his minions. Yep. <laughs> what added? What was the what was the main thing about this portion here? Tony, that that really that you would just use, and you're like, oh crap, yeah, I should have thought of that. I could have done this. What would it be? What do you think? I know you've done you've done the extra activations thing. We've done yeah. that. That's always a good thing for sure. I don't know the the group leaders thing. I really liked, and yep. um, yeah, the cooperation notes that they have on uh, okay players cooperating. I think. But otherwise, I, it's just more of a like a fine tuning of their social encounters rules. Mm-hmm. These are things that I think maybe might have hit the cutting room floor when they were right. creating the social encounter rules mm-hmm. and just adding them in here because they they're useful. Each little paragraph is useful. Yep. One thing that stu- stuck out to me, and I think you may you may have done this as well, is when so on the bottom of page one hundred and seven. Dealing with conflicting assertions. So when one member of the party, one mm. PC, pisses the guy off, and the other party, and the other it's like it wants to be like buddy buddy with him, how do you handle that? Right? Um, given it goes beyond like setback dice. Um, in this case, because they're like, yeah, you know, the adversary can be like confused and like distrustful and stuff. It's like, what are you doing? If they're not. Pe- if they're not playing off the good cop, bad cop act, right? If they haven't <laughs> done this. So that was kind of interesting to me there. Yeah. That's kind of neat. And there's so. nothing wrong with using those talents, good cop, bad cop. Oh, those are some of my favorite talents from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And they have been reprinted in the Genesis talent guide that was done as a group resource on the right. Fantasy Flight forums. Yeah, it's in there. I think they're There's in. Nothing wrong with using those. They're in um, Shadows of the Beanstalk too. By they're yeah, in Shadows that's of the Beanstalk. That's yeah, I was right. going to say, aren't they in there as well? So. <laughs> right. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, and in this last yeah. one, two of my favorite tones and tropes yes. of gaming. What do <laughs> we have here? What do we have here, Tony? So the first one, uh, near and dear to our hearts, because we have a uh-huh. fellow nerd who did an entire setting book for Savage Worlds oh, Worlds for this yes. heist games. <laughs> yes. And they use uh, a new mechanic for that. Heat yep. rules. 
<laughs> Very similar to our friend Eric's uh, Wise Guys, and we had him on our show and talked about oh, running yeah. Wise Guys in Genesis. Um, that it, it, it really his setting that he created for Savage Worlds. If you're a Savage Worlds player or not, the sheer plethora of useful stuff in there for any game master. How to create gangs, oh yeah, organized yeah. crime. Mm-hmm. He, he did a lot of research. Eric put years. his heart and soul. It's been two, two years, two or three, three years, years in the making. Yep, yeah. yep. And it's a beautiful, beautiful book, and it's up on Drive Through RPG uh, from it's called Wise Guys. Just insert imagination. Wise Guys, a Savage Worlds uh, supplement. Yeah. And uh, but this, if you're going to run a, a a game where you have a heist going on, take a look at this tone uh, in the back here. Very cool. The rules for mm-hmm. heat. Very cool. Oh, yeah. I like it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but pretty... the other one's more your style, buddy. What's that one? Noir. You're. Hey, it was a tough night, and Stefan was coming into my office dressed up as a woman. His sister, he <laughs> said, wanted me to find his brother. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's your, you know, your detect. It's, it's like your whole detective, Dick Tracy. Dick yeah. Tracy, your whole, you know, dark, gloomy. It's yeah. raining just a little harder in this setting That's because it. it's noir and it's gloomy and there's the, the light coming in through the horizontal blinds. <laughs> That's right. And you know, I'm smoking a cigarette is, because yeah. it's what you do my in is, noir. Yeah, my name is Tracer Bullet. <laughs> I keep I keep two magnums. <laughs> One is magnum whiskey keeps me loaded. And yeah. I keep another magnum. I keep it loaded. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And the, the new rule that they add for that is <laughs> exactly is, what Chris just did, which yeah, is that internal, internal monologue. Yeah. And when a character performs one at the table, the yeah. new rule is the, the GM can allow them to recover, heal up to three strain by doing that, performing their inner monologue <laughs> at the table. Yep, you could do and that just, like once per encounter. You know, yeah. you could just start doing an internal monologue. Yeah. So the dame walked into my office. Legs for miles. That's right. But he had a mustache. <laughs> he had a goatee mustache. That's it. That's cover to That's cover. It? Yeah. I th- yeah. Go Stephen, get it. Do you want it more? Or are you jealous? Are you? Jealous? Of course, I want. I want it. I want it. He wants it. He wants it. I want my precious. <laughs> Well, I hope you get it soon, buddy. It is beautiful, mm-hmm. and you're gonna love it. That's what she said. Oh, what the hell? You know it. <laughs> All right. Well, from? we have we're gonna be um we have a new segment we're introducing next. Are we ready to move on to that? Yes. Gentlemen. Right after these words from our sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. Welcome to our brand new segment, Lightning Strikes. It was a dark and gloomy night, and this is where we go up to the lab and see what's on the slab, where Tony will choose an adversary from one of the books, and we dissect it, take it apart, and rebuild it better than ever. (laughs) I see what you did there, dude. We go up the lab to see what's on the slab. That's the name of the new segment, by the way. I see what you did there, Stefan. Well done, buddy. So my choice this show was the Berserker. 
a minion from Realms of Terranoth, page 213. It's uh, particularly the Uthuk Berserker. Um, and I've got, I love the, the opening paragraph here, and I want to read it mm-hmm. because yeah. it, it gives you that, rah, what these guys are. So, frothing with bloody frenzy. Uthuk Berserkers hurl themselves into the press of combat, craving only to hack apart their foes. Touched by the demonic darkness of the Rue, these Uthuk warriors have given themselves over completely to mindless savagery, forsaking the discipline of drill and formation, as well as armor and shield, scorning anything that might slow their headlong charge into the fray. They become depraved murderers in combat. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> Sounds like my so, Saturday night group when they play <laughs> murder hobo motherfuckers. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that gives you an idea. Now, these guys are usually outfitted with uh, nasty weapons, vicious items that they carry, crude ho- uh, hooked axes, sawtooth blades, spiked hammers, things like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, but there's nothing that says they don't just cover themselves in bony spurs and attack you with that. Mm-hmm. So um, they have uh, the following characteristics: they have a three brawn, two agility, one intellect, two cunning, two willpower, and one presence. Like I said, they're a minion group, so they have a soka three, and each minion has a th- wound threshold of one or five. Sorry. I would, I would um, so, think. I would think, given your description that you just read, willpower and presence would be swapped. Their presence would be greater than their willpower. For me, willpower is being able to control yourself, discipline, go. These guys are completely fucking nuts and would scare the shit out of me. And their presence, I would think those would need to be swapped. And I think, as a GM, if you felt that needed to happen, do it yeah, uh, because minions anyway. They're just minions anyway. (laughs) Um, Their skill group uh, for this minion group, their brawl, melee light, resilience, and survival. So none of those uh, abilities that you just mentioned, the characteristics that you just mentioned, neither of them are affected by their skills. Exactly. It it, it would be a cosmetic change unless, for instance, one of the players was uh, using some sort of um, way of maybe trying to calm them down and or yeah. trying to resist maybe their that's coercion. Where, maybe because they are berserking, them. their willpower is greater because they are able to resist those things better. I see that. All right. You talked me out of so, it, Tony. They have no talents, as most minions You talk yourself don't. out of it. Yeah. <laughs> they have no talents. Most minions don't. But they got some cool abilities. You guys want to help me read those? Yeah, buddy. Sure. Go ahead, Stefan. Okay, Stefan, can, take the first one. Abilities. Bone spurs. Berserker who is targeted by a melee combat check may spend three threat or a despair to cause the attacker to suffer three wounds. <laughs> oh, that's great. So they've covered in because they've given themselves over to the ruse, sometimes, you know, their body could be almost partially weaponized. Elbow spikes and knee spikes and, and short horns. So <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's when your, your hero's like, oh, yeah, oops, a despair. Wang! <laughs> Bone spur to the groin. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this is... They suffer three wounds. You yeah. don't yeah. soak this. Don't soak those. You no. just take suffer three wounds. Not yeah. soakable. Yeah. That's why? Because you got three threat or despair. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and what's the next one, Chris? Right after that. Oh, 
Stefan, today is a good day to die. A good death <laughs> is what it is called. As an incidental, these crazy sons of bitches at the start of their turn could, if they're engaged with an enemy, remove a member of its group as a casualty to add six damage to the minion group's attack on their turn. Yeah. Holy crap, dude. Sweet. So he just sacrifices himself and just goes yeah. to town with... <laughs> you're basically doubling... I mean, their base damage is six, so you're adding six more to that. So they're starting off at 13 damage minimum if they hit you. So yeah. GM tip. GM tip. Always start with one extra minion in your group. When <laughs> you're making right. these guys for yeah. a counterbalance, yeah. You want to have mm-hmm. to be able to use that ability without weakening mm-hmm. these guys as a GM. Too much, right? Normally, my suggestion would be a minion group of three or four with these guys, but uh, like five. a really, really daunting fight. Throw a minion group of six yeah. out there, oh, and yeah. then sacrifice one right from the get out. That's, that's right. And this, and again, this that's <laughs> for that for it's the, for that attack that turn. So it's that turn they're yeah. next to somebody. It doesn't continue. They'll have to get rid of another guy next turn. <laughs> exactly. But still, you know, if that's their frenzy, they're just all yeah. they want to do is kill, kill, kill. Yeah, they might I get be I die, each other I up. I don't Who the hell knows? That's it. I, do I die? I don't it doesn't matter. I'll be reincarnated maybe as a demon. <laughs> <laughs> that's but right. I'm gonna kill something. <laughs> yeah, like that's Chris a fun said, ability. Like Chris said, equipment wise, they start with two bone blades, uh, so they can use paired weapons. Um, they're melee light, damage six, critical four, and their range of engaged. These guys aren't ranged combatants. No. Now, I do want to read the sidebar because there is a sidebar about these guys uh, on the same page at the top. Shriekers. So the Ithuk witches utilize countless horrific punishments for those who fail them. In one popular punishment for berserkers, The witch slashes open the offender's back, cruelly wrenching out their lungs and warping them into huge, overgrown mockeries of life. These so-called shriekers constantly scream their resulting rage and pain, uh, and the grotesquely enlarged lungs amplify the sound so greatly that it debilitates foes. Mm -hmm. To represent a shrieker, add the following ability to the berserker profile. Shriekers, Shrieker, enemy within medium range, enemies within medium range, add a setback die to all checks and suffer one additional strain whenever they suffer any amount of strain. Wow. That includes spell casting. I totally yeah. could not read this. <laughs> I'm glad you did. Oh my god. So That is GMs, nuts, man. GMs, a minion group with a Shrieker in it. Yeah. Six minions. Sacrifice right from the get-go kick off your shrieker and just you can turn this minion group of berserkers into a horrible encounter oh, if yeah. you get the ambush on your character on your players this is quite, on the characters have yeah. you ever, okay so if you, you guys have watched the the show vikings right mm-hmm. this yeah. blood eagle the blood eagle that's what this is yeah. turning that blood eagle yeah. into a freaking shrieker yeah. is, oh my god that's, <laughs> that's but, not but instead of killing the target it just makes them Shriek! Well, they're you kept know, alive with dark magics. You That's know, it, it would be a great adventure, like one shot, or even like a climax to an adventure. Is the adventurers coming upon this ritual mm-hmm. and interrupting it? That'd be great. Right yeah. in the middle of it, 
Oh. And of course, you pair you pair these berserkers with the bl- a blood sister nearby, and that can be nasty. Oh, oh yeah. Sister, yeah. Are those and the that witches? We'll get into another time. They're yes, the that's witches, the witches. Right? The, the blood witches, sister yeah. and the night seer are the witches and yeah, the, the, the warlocks. Right. Warlocks of the Rue. Yeah. But yeah. what I really wanted to get into, and this is why I chose these minions, is well, why is this important if you don't play Terranoth? Well, this is why. Reskin them. Okay, mm-hmm. this is where I tell you these guys are perfect. You want to run a Forgotten Realms type campaign? Battle Ragers. Mm-hmm. These guys are your dwarven battle ragers. That's Fuente and his boys, yeah. definitely. You want to run a high seas campaign or a space Firefly? western? Space western. These guys are reavers. Yeah, they are <laughs> out in the middle of no. If you're running Firefly, these guys are your reavers. Yeah, you are. Yeah, um, they are. Yeah. If you're running a, say, I don't know, a dark monster world or Cthulhu-esque mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. setting, escaped lunatic, a group of escaped lunatics, or even in a superhero setting where you have, like, think of the, you know, Batman Begins where all the lunatics got hit by that drug and were running around yeah, buddy. and yeah. doing crazy things. Mm-hmm. This is a perfect, if you're running supers, escaped lunatics, if you're running post-apocalyptic Savage cannibals. Think um, Borderlands. Max. Borderlands. Mad, Mad Max. Max. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Borderlands. Uh, the cartoon or the video game. If you uh, think you're um, you're uh, you're crazies in that, and mm-hmm. you know they're they're wielding these weird spiked weapons and they're crazy and they're coming at you from all angles. These guys are reskinnable in about a hundred different ways. Yeah. What did and, those guys uh, say? Re- what did they stuff? What did they say in Mad Max, the Fury Road? What did they say? Those guys they spray themselves in the witness me. Yeah, that's what yeah. it is. Witness me. You know what? I got a new saying for a shock. There we go. <laughs> you were saying, Stefan. <laughs> Good. Sorry. Uh, what was I saying? I don't know. You guys were talking. Oh at the yeah, same time. like just re re reskinning some of their abilities too. Of course, you know, like bone spurs can just be part of their. The salvaged on. armor, you know, mm-hmm. uh, chain that they've got. That uh, you know, they're escape lunatics. They just grab some chains or spiked uh, or clubs with nails in it or whatever. Mm-hmm. A good <laughs> one death. last one, one last one, and it, yeah, because I had talked about it early on when we first started doing the show, Chris. Yeah. Uh, when you and I were talking about doing settings, I was talking about doing Hellgate, uh, mm-hmm. and one of the things is there's a there are demons that are just covered in these chains um, that will run in these chains covered in hooks that this rip at flesh and they can yeah they're they're berserkers they're it's essentially what these things would do yeah Mm. Uh, these guys would be perfect for that yeah you know it nice a good death in the um mad max Mm. would be flinging one of your minions onto the (laughs) onto furious car big truck right <laughs> yeah <laughs> no hope so, i'm gonna stuff. finish off this section about these guys with reading the last sentence of their entry because i think it's just amazing so berserkers only desire is to charge screaming into the midst of the enemy murder everything within reach until at last they themselves are cut down to join their victims in a sea of gore there we go <laughs> <laughs> And that's another good death. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So with that, 
Yeah, thank you, Tony, for that new segment. I think it's great, buddy. Yeah, that's good. I like that. I like I like the um I like the idea of reskinning these these adversaries when we throw them on the slab too. That's right? it. <laughs> that's why they're on the slab. We need to reskin them mm-hmm. bit by bit. Yep, exactly. All right, all right. Let's move on. All right, welcome to our favorite sec- segment of the show called Advantageous Threats. And yes, I'm introducing this one again because, you know, I do everything around here. So, <laughs> All right. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> You're not done yet. Come on. No, 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 no. So we build and roll and narrate our uh, dice results for different little situations and uh, setups. And then uh, we try to interpret those roles and see what happens uh, in the narrative Mm -hmm. uh, kind of thing. So uh, so that's it. Yeah. So we'll uh, start by, uh, I think, with Tony. Okay. Well, I begin with my uh, little scenario I have here where... My uh, animal companion and a friend of mine are wandering are wandering through the mountains, the broken crags, uh, through the basically patrolling a uh, a pass uh, through the mountains, and we've been ambushed by none other than some Uthuk berserkers. Oh no! <laughs> so my <Witness> character, <laughs> Thorval Drakesbane, a forged dwarf disciple of Kurnos in Terranoth, will be blessing his snow owl. Uh, so Snow Owl is his animal companion. Now, well, how did you, I have the Snow Owl? Well, I chose the stats for the Falcon on page 87 of the Expanded Player's Guide. Uh, and it says right in their block that this file profile could be used for the Hawk, Eagle, or Owl. So I don't have to make any changes. I didn't hey. have to c- clear anything with my GM. I could just go, this is an Owl, not a Falcon. Ta-da! Um, so mm-hmm. my Owl, named uh, animal companion named Hugin, or Hugin, uh, and I'll be casting my signature spell, Vigor of the Hunter, nice. which is an augment with divine health and additional target added, which is normally five purple difficulty, but I'll be using my holy icon and it being a signature spell, which reduces it to three purple. What's this holy icon? What the holy icon would will be a uh, wooden antler that hangs from my nice. uh, from my neck on a th- leather thong, cool, and uh, carved with thong. the symbols of my uh, my god, sweet Kurnos, the god of the hunt. It's also a bottle opener, but anyway, <laughs> that too. It's it's a multifunctioning tool. Yeah. Um, nice. <laughs> and uh, I also earlier this morning. Uh, slew a deer, uh, mm-hmm. and I kept its liver for a spell component. Uh-huh. So I reach into my pouch and pull out this dried husk of li- uh, deer leather, and uh, that will give me a boost die for component casting. Sweet. So right now, my pool sits as uh, divine two yellow, one green, with a blue boost die for. Uh, the uh, component casting versus three purple difficulty. Now, uh, 
since uh, you guys are the GM, is there a Shrieker in the minion group? Yeah, there is. I think so, yeah. I'll throw a setback die in there. Oops. Well, that one went on the floor. We'll have to hunt or for that is one. Or Shrieker? Yeah. Is the, so when you say Shrieker, there's like the minion group is a Shrieker, or the or there's one in the group, and then they just you just add this that ability to it. All it takes is for their one to be one in the minion group. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. There's a Shrieker there. He's standing right next to you. Ah! They're right there on you, dude. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. Right. So that's why I'm going to flip a story point because they're right on top of you. They're All right. So uh, right upgrading. Next to you. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, this is uh, this blessing is uh, one that uh, Thorval uh, speaks for often mm-hmm. uh, and uh, has cast on many occasions and can do so in a pinch. And so I too will be flipping a story point yeah. and nice. going for the three yellow dice in my pool. Coolness. Anything else? <laughs> I think that's it. Looks good to me, man. All right. Go for it. So let's start off by saying your uh, there are no despair or triumphs, mm. um, and I end end up uh, when I balance everything out, I end up with uh, one success and two threat. Ooh. Oh my! So uh, good so GMs. Go, yeah. So your spell goes off. So what does it do? Well, that. Uh, that will give uh, myself and Hugen uh, additional health equal to my ranks in knowledge lore, which is three ranks. So we will gain additional wounds. Uh-huh. So Hugen's will go up to seven, and mine will go up to 16. So our wound thresholds go up. Nice. Okay. But I'm. And we, get, and we can add a green die to any uh, uh, things we want to do. What would you like to do with the setback or the uh, threat? I'm actually liking the fact that um, you need these magical energies kind of um, exhausted you a bit. And with these guys around you, you're going to take four strain total, two strain for each threat. So grand total of of five to cast that spell because the shrieker caused me to take an extra one, two for the base and four for all the threat. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So very, seven. Very you took taxed. seven. You took seven total, right? No, five total. No, you take no, 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 four. seven, seven, yeah, seven, seven. yeah. Oh, yeah, my bad. Oh yeah, buddy. Ugh, that was a taxing spell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was. However, being the animal yeah, companion, Eugen's turn is not done. What? Because as a maneuver, he may then command, or sorry, uh, Thorval's turn is not done. He may command Eugen to attack. Nice. So I will be attacking also. Oh, so you get to roll twice? <gasps> yes, I do. This is a first, everybody, on fighting the narrative. He's yes. found a loophole. <laughs> <laughs> so the Falcon mm-hmm. has or a ball of two and a brawn of one. Yep. Or yes, the owl. Mm-hmm. So normally his dice pool for a melee attack is going to be one yellow, one green. However, he's augmented, so now it is an additional green. Sweet. And the melee difficulty of two purple. And that's it. GMs, would you like to affect it in any way, shape, or form? Oh, oh yeah. Already. The Shrieker. 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 Shrieking. Got that in there. It is Anything shrieking. else? Well, he had to use his maneuver to fly at them, so he cannot aim. So this is it for him. Okay. All right. Well, sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, that looks good. That looks good. 
Okay. Well, uh, I ended up with the same exact result that I had with <laughs> Thorval. <laughs> one, one success, success no. two threat. Oh, no, only no, two no. threat, not a third? No. no. Oh, man. Sweet. No, no wonder they're animal companions. They're all always the same. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, but right. with one success, damage for his beacon claw attack. Yep. Um, what is, is it? going to be three plus uncanceled successes total of four. Four. Uh -huh. With do they have a pierce value? Um, that beak it, or claw? The beak does not have pierce. It has vicious. Vicious. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So you you kind of take a take a um what do you call it like a piece out of one of these berserkers that are right there. Yeah. Okay. Right out of the for one total okay. damage after one so. damage. Total yeah. damage. Yes. Still. There we go. Okay, right. that was my turn. Yay! All right. Stefan. Well done, man. That's cool. All right. So, Thorvald's ally in this fight, Kiar Whiteshadow, uh, a catfolk scout. Uh, looks very much like a snow leopard. He's a uh, a master of the bow. He's got the Eye of the Hunter heroic ability. Mm. He's going to try to uh, try to disable that uh, shrieker. He's got keen hearing, and all that shrieking is upsetting him. So his tail is all bushy, and you know. Awesome. <laughs> so he's got, he's got a couple of uh, of talents. And in addition to his Eye of the Hunter, which is basically the Paragon, paragon of Archery. Ooh, nice. uh, he's got Hamstring Shot and Quick Strike. Hamstring means once per round, one target can, uh, can be affected by just half the damage inflicted, but then he's immobilized until the end of the next turn. Gotcha. And quick strike two would allow him to plus two boost dice versus combat checks versus a foe that hasn't acted yet. <clears throat> However, they that it. would come into play in this because they've already it? ambushed, right? Because they've yeah. already ambushed. So there you go. They're right next now, to so Thorval there. That's it. So that unfortunately gets taken away. You can't use that one. That's fine. So he's got ability of two green and two yellow. So good agility and two ranks in uh, ranged. Mm -hmm. So we'll get that, and he'll be double aiming. Okay. Two boost dice right there. Nice. So that would cost him with two maneuvers. Yeah. That would cost yeah. him two next strain, strain normally. Two strain. So, so next was strain. Yeah. Three. Three so strain. Three strain. Nice. And he gets the, the setback dice for that shrieker. Right. And I'm thinking these guys are, shut up yet. These, these guys are still <laughs> these guys are probably short range, right? Yeah. Yeah. So one but I think I think an automatic upgrade because Thorval they're right on top of Thorval there. Right. So So one one purple one Yeah, yeah one red difficulty. Yep. One one challenge. All right. And a setback. Once and yeah, I got the setback. Got it. No problem. And with the Eye of the Hunter, what that will allow me to do on a ranged skill check after rolling the dice, mm -hmm. I can remove one difficulty dice of my choice. Of course, I don't have any more difficulty dice. They're challenge <laughs> dice. <laughs> However, that was an upgrade that was automatic because there was a player in melee combat. I, as the other, uh, as mm -hmm. the other voice of the GM here, I would like to say 
this is a great opportunity to flip a story point because there's not just Thorval there, but Thorval's animal companion. Oh, there you go. So add a purple. Add a purple. All right. So I'll be able to affect that, whatever the the result is. All right. So that looks good to me. So two greens, two yellow, two blues, and then one each of the other bad bad dice. One red, one purple, one one black. All right. Two of everything see. good. One of everything bad. That's it. So <laughs> Let's see. Oh, and it does go horribly bad. Oh, it does. Oh, <laughs> we have. Oh, no. We do have. A despair. So. Oh, oh, yes. oh, no. And no successes. <laughs> Lots of advantages, though. So we've oh. got three three failures. <laughs> uh, and one, two, three, six advantages and a despair. And a despair. <laughs> Tony, do you want to roll the die oh, or should I? But I, can, but I can remove the purple dice entirely and just have it resolve as just a... Uh, a blank side. Cool. Oh, actually, you just remove it, yeah. So, uh, But still, six advantage, a, a failure. Well, two failures, because the, the triumph also counts as a failure. Mm-hmm. And I don't have any successes to cancel them out. <laughs> so. Well, I think, we're, I think we may have to randomize who gets hit. Thorval okay. or your... Um, or um, Hugin. All right. Well, Torval's a larger target, so I think we'll go yeah. with a third, uh, two-thirds chance of hitting him. So anything under 66 on percentile dice will hit Torval. Sounds good. You rolling it? Go for yep. it. Yep. All right. So I rolled 96. Oh, no, my poor birdie. Oh, no. What's your damage there, Stefan? Well, the basic damage would be seven. All right. Would you like to activate any special abilities like critting it or immobilizing it? <laughs> I don't think so. Since uh, well, you did say you were going to try and mobilize it. Do you, is that something you, the mobilizing shot? I guess you select before you shoot or not. I can't remember. Well, uh, before reducing the damage of the target soak, that uh, would be maybe immobilized if I'm trying it. I would say this, but since I rolled some advantage, maybe I use some of that advantage to say it's just a normal hit. <laughs> I know. <laughs> And yep. it would be half damage anyway, so 3.5, so three, yeah. 3 damage. Round up. Mm-hmm. So 4 damage only. So 4 but, damage and uh, Hugin is out of the fight. <laughs> oh, 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 it doesn't look good for Team Good. No. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe with some of the other advantages, I've got 6 of them, maybe 2 advantage at least not to uh, immobilize uh, Hugin. I, I think he's already Perhaps immobilized. The- yeah, perhaps yeah. the uh, the the spray of arrows, the arrows going out, yeah. maybe the uh, will uh, provide a bit of cover for Thorval for the charge, go. the ensuing charge, giving there him go. one defense fights. rating, a That's setback right. die to their attack. Yeah. Well, they're already there. They've already charged, but they're getting ready. Ah, just flailing yeah, around with arrows. Yeah. And of course, <laughs> if you guys haven't guessed it yet, yes, I am playing the Uthic barbarians. Everybody. There we go. All right, they're, so now it's time for the barbarians. They're the following up the ambush. The calls reach. It's a good day to die. Witness me, right? <laughs> and they're going to be using a good death ability. So there as as they're in combat, there just one of them just gets sliced right across the neck, and by one of their buddies, and gets taken out. And that casualty will allow me to add six to my damage here as I oh. hit Thorval. <laughs> Thorval. 
here. God, I hope you don't hit. Yeah, so, th- <laughs> so that will leave me. Now, granted, Tony, me as a DM, I didn't, I didn't put five in this group. It was only four. So now there's three left. You're failing me, Chris. How can you? How can you? How can you TPK me if? Yeah. All right then. You know what? There's four now. How about that? <laughs> so it's going to be actually. So it's actually going to be. Um, it's going to be three yellow. Yep. A two purple. Um, they're going to aim because they're right there. The, doing that good death isn't incidental. Um, yeah, they've got a they've got a, at least a setback dice because of all the they have one setback in. die because of the setback. Um, and well, and Thorval's shield gives him a defense of one. Defense of go. one, cool. I will be st- spending a GM story point because um well i'm just like that and i feel a little bloodthirsty because of saturday night still like yeah, well there you go you still want to want you actually want a tpk so. because it's a good death yo <laughs> let's see i want to see if you can even hit okay does that look good yeah all right let's see here all right so we have three yellow a green a blue two purple and two black there we go. Here we Let's go. go. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> and then some. <laughs> All right, we have a total two successes and a triumph. Ooh! So, <laughs> and no threat, no advantage. No, all that, all that kind okay. of washes out there. The boost, the aiming didn't help. The mm. um, your shield did so not help. But the arrows kind of did. Um, yeah. So that's going to be a total of 15, 14 damage, buddy. Ouch. Okay. Well, a good thing I have 16 wounds and a soak of four. What? So, uh, I'm still up. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see about that. We're going to roll a, we're going to roll a crit. <laughs> okay. Thorball. I have to activate have my that GM screen laying right in front of me. Oh, there we go. That you. Oh, the chart. good. The GM screen that you picked up with the EPG, right? Yes, of course. Sweet. It lays plug, open plug. all the time as on my keyboard tray. Nice. All right, here we go. Oh my gosh, what is a ninety? Oh. <laughs> Uh, it's a you can fuck off. That's what it is. It's a com- compromise. Like a, oh, it's, it's Increase the difficulty of all skill checks by one until this critical is healed. He's oh. been compromised. Uh-oh. I got a bone spike sticking out of my lung. That's wow. right. Actually, you know what it was? That shield so didn't help because that guy just hits you. Boom! You hit yourself right in the head with it. <laughs> Maybe. Blood pouring down in my eyes. Yeah, I can't that's see. Right. That's it. There you Maybe go. Maybe a concussion. <laughs> yeah, maybe. He might be concussed. Thorval Very nice. Concussed. It doesn't Ooh. look well for Thorval and Hugin. That's no, right. No, no. Kiar better run. Yep. <laughs> They're <laughs> being murdered. To run to fight another fight another day. I shall avenge your death. <laughs> My murderers are coming at you. <laughs> My murdering berserkers are coming after you. So, oh yes. Berserker. Berserker. <laughs> of course. I reread a little bit on the ability of uh, the paragon of uh, of archery. Yep. Yeah. If I if he had had the supreme ability, he would have been able to remove 
that challenge dice entirely. Uh, oh, and he might have actually hit something. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, yeah. he still didn't have any successes. No, but <laughs> still, he could have avoided the, 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 uh, yeah, the despair. <laughs> yes, That's right, Aragon you're is amazing. You can start, you can start running. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Yeah, my cat folk in uh, Jamie's game has Paragon Brawler. So, nice. yeah, I look forward to using that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that was fun, gentlemen. Yes, it was. Shall we go home? Let's go home. All right. Let's wrap it up. Once again, I do everything around here. You just, you're, no, we let you have the tail end of the show. That's it. Exactly. (laughs) I'm all about those cocktails. Yes. There you go. So there you go. So now we're just going to wrap it up, and I'd like to do a little shout out to some of our uh, one of our current uh, uh, fellow podcasters and Nerds International uh, member. Uh, this time, Three T RPG Podcast. These are a couple of guys uh, in uh, in England, crazy limey bastards over the pond that do all kinds of uh, crazy weird shenanigans they try to different role-playing games systems and they they like to turn things on their head and just go mm-hmm. totally off the wall think benny hill but on acid <laughs> nice <laughs> listen to them they're pretty fun they're funny guys really nice guys too so they're about uh, to do their big end of the year show aren't they where they do should their be. yeah 3t rpg awards that they give oh, that are yeah. hilarious yeah they've been asking <laughs> really? on They've been asking on the MeWe some some of your favorite moments or uh, role-playing situations, whatnot. Uh, so get on there on MeWe. Find them on uh, on podcast, uh, whatever podcast source you listen to, and uh, give them a listen. Cool. So <clears throat> what I would like to remind everybody that the Expanded Player's Guide is out there, and the GM screen is out there ready to out in stores they've been shipped to people um if you haven't seen the expanded setting creation sheet or the specialization tree sheet in those books they're not so you can download them from ffg's website um i have i'll have the links in the show notes for that and um sam stewart uh, we mentioned it earlier um he's got the uh the errata overview called uh, article up there um called a new challenge and then a slight little sidebar here that I'll add as well is to, just because I got the player's guides for them this week, mm-hmm. Wise Guys, the gangster role-playing in Las Vegas in the 1990s that Just Imagination and Eric Lamoureux had put together. Granted, it's for Savage Worlds, but hey, that noir setting, or the height, no, the heist, the heist mm-hmm. tone. Um, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. So... Yeah, and, and during while recording the show, I downloaded all three of those things from FFG. So, <laughs> so I got the errata and the expansion. Oh yeah, yeah. Setting sheet and yep. tree sheet. So yeah, and errata also, like we mentioned, also has mm-hmm. the power levels for all the adversaries created up until this point. So from the core rulebook, Tiranoth and uh, yep. Shadows of the Beanstalk Shadow. as well. So yeah, and what I like is that they split those challenge ratings in three categories. So for combat, social, and general, because 
Yep. Like a berserker would be a challenge in fights, but socially, <laughs> nope. not so much. Not a whole lot of utility either, unless the no. bone spurs could help. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Something. Bargaining. Uh, yeah. I don't want to pay full price on this armor. <laughs> not really. Though the shrieker has kind of a nice mm-hmm. little debuff ability for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. speaking of the Berserker and the Shriekers, uh, tell us what you think uh, about our new show segment uh, on the slab. Contact mm-hmm. us at findingthenarrativepodcast at gmail.com. Get a hold of Stefan and I at Finding the Narrative on Facebook. Uh, you can talk to all three of us at Nerds International or, or the Finding the Narrative page on MeWe. Uh, we, we're there. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't talk much. But we're there, Mm-mm. especially in the finding the narrative. Always one of us will answer you there, like almost immediately. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you can get a hold of Stefan alone if you want to talk to him privately yes. at <laughs> FTN underscore Genesis on Twitter. <laughs> and uh, listen to us on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, Spotify, and others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, first. This is Tony saying, keep rolling your shattered berserker bones. <laughs> Wait a minute. And yeah, and this is Stefan saying, don't forget to ask, ask for those boost dice. Even if they don't come up with successes, they might have advantages. <laughs> a lot of them, apparently. Yes. <laughs> I got all the advantages tonight. <laughs> all right. Well, witness me! Remember the world of cool? And just have fun, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast, is not affiliated with or endorsed by any companies mentioned in this show. Any of the products mentioned on our show or appear on our website are the property and copyright of their respected owners. All items are used under fair use and educational and review purposes. All other items are the intellectual property of Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. <laughs>